to you. Welcome along. Sun is shining at least for the next hour or two and we are gardening. Porrick, good morning to you. Good morning, to you. Deirdre. Good morning, How listeners. Are things? things? are good. Yeah. Good. I was just listening to your weather forecast, I suppose that mixture of uh, sunshine and shower, 17 to 20 degrees is quite warm. Wind and rain. Yeah, and that's bit, of a, bit of a mix, all right. It so. is, yeah. So when, you get the, when we get this very humid, muggy weather, particularly where we've got wind and moisture, it's time for blight. And I noticed that Met Airden have issued a blight warning uh, for the last couple of days and certainly over the weekend. So, and into next week, I think we we're still back into that very shower, showery, humid weather. So blight is certainly um, on the radar. And for people that have potatoes, particularly in the garden where the stalks are well over the ground, which they should be at this mm-hmm. time of year, um, do put some blight spray on. So look for a systemic, if possible, um, blight control treatment. Dithem was, of course, the old favourite. Yes. It, it's more a contact spray. It kind of protects the existing foliage, but doesn't protect any new foliage. The modern sprays are systemic, which means they enter the system of the plant. So they both cure the problem, if you've got a small bit of early blight, but they also stop and help to prevent um, bright blight um, affecting the plants. So do take control, because look, at you could lose the plants very, very quickly over, over the next 10 days. And for those people now who might be fairly new to the whole potato growing yeah. endeavour, how does one recognise blight, or can one recognise well, blight? Well, it's very important to, pre- to prevent it, because once the stalks have blight. It is difficult to get rid of, of it. Now, having said that, the um, the treatments like the bare systemic uh, blight treatment does cure blight in its early stages. But typically, the yellow the leaves go a very yellow colour. Start to go yellow, particularly the lower foliage. Blight basically spreads. It's airborne and spread by moisture. So when the leaves of the blight or the potato plant are wet. Um, and you've got humid weather, the spores literally land on the foliage. Mm-hmm. The drops of rain then carry them down the stem onto other foliage and ultimately once the blight starts to develop it goes onto the tubers and affects the tubers and you get this rotting of the foliage and stems and ultimately the rotting of the tubers. So typically the early signs of it are yellowing of foliage, kind of dark brown chocolate spots on the leaves as well Um, and then as it as it progresses a rotting of the stems and a kind of smell or an order of rotting from the stems as well and literally you know within 10 days two weeks the stems collapse and obviously the crop is destroyed so it is important to prevent um, and it's really when you see this humid blighty weather that kind of warm temperatures moisture for 24 hour kind of period on and off where the foliage of the uh, potatoes are wet you need to and and really it's it's a preventative we should be treating the potatoes for blight treatment uh, you know as a precaution rather than actually waiting for the thing to come really when the met air and are issuing a blight warning it's you know ideally you should have sprayed beforehand if at all possible so my advice really this this weekend if you do get an hour of dry weather get out there put an application of um blight spray on your potato crop and also on tomatoes for listeners that have tomatoes in the garden particularly out of doors again it's exactly the same tomatoes and potatoes are in the Solanaceae family they're all in the one happy big happy family Um, so tomatoes are part of the potato family and suffer from similar diseases to potatoes okay so tomato plants, again, if they're in a tunnel situation or a greenhouse situation, my advice is really make sure you don't wet the foliage of the 
tomato plants because remember that the spores of blight are spread by moisture. So if the leaves are wet, you get blight jumping from potatoes or it just, it's just carried on the air. Yeah. It'll come in on, on the tunnel. If the leaves are wet, it'll land on the leaves and start to affect the foliage of tomatoes. So ideally, if you're watering tomatoes in your tunnel and greenhouse, water the soil not the foliage. foliage. So keep the foliage crisp and dry and that will prevent blight. If you are spraying your potatoes, no harm to give your tomatoes a spray as well, just as preventative. Mm -hmm. But if they're in a tunnel or greenhouse situation, blight is generally less of a problem, particularly if you keep the foliage dry. So you shouldn't be wetting the leaves, particularly in this humid weather. Okay. And how are potatoes and tomatoes related to each other? Solanacea family? Solanacea, yes. Because I'm trying to admit like one is underground, the other is overground. Funny enough. I'm finding it difficult to reconcile where the link is. Funny enough, there is a plant called the Tom Pot. Which is half tomato, half potato. Which is a a, a tomato that has been grafted onto a tomato or into a potato plant. So you get the potatoes growing underneath the soil and you get the top portion of the plant (laughs) produces tomatoes. I am not joking. It's not the 1st of April, no. No, 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 no. no. A tom pot, it's called. It's a grafting, yeah. It's where, because they're both in the same family, it's like grafting apple trees. You you graft a James Grieve apple tree onto a a wild crab apple would work because they're in the same family. Um, they, they'll actually work together. So, because same thing with, so they're the same family? Same family. Because tomatoes are related to potatoes, they, they, sh- they share similar genetics and similar cell um, okay, structure. So, right. so okay. when we graft the two together, they actually join as a union. It's like welding the two plants together. The tomato or the potato, the roots of the plant grow as normal because the tomato stems and leaves are yeah. feeding it. And the tomato grows as a tomato plant. You can actually buy them. Tom pots, they're called. Tom pots. Tom pots. No, <laughs> generally the kind of uh, the general it's reports. A novelty, from, yes, it's a novelty yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not that you're going to grow them because you're going to get a wonderful huge crop. If you want to grow potatoes, then grow the traditional potato varieties. But tomatoes and potatoes are in the Solanacea family, and um, they suffer from similar pests and diseases and, and so on. So it's just when whenever we issue a, a blight warning, we always remind people that tomatoes can be affected as well. And really, the tip really is to, if you've got them in a greenhouse and tunnel, keep the doors open, good ventilation, good air movement in through the tunnel. That should be happening anyway. And also, so you don't want to get it humid and clammy. You want it nice and airy and also keeping the foliage of tomatoes dry. And if you wish then, you can put on a potato uh, blight treatment as well. So really, my main advice is for listeners growing potatoes because, you know, it's amazing how many people still do this. Hundreds and hundreds of tons of potatoes seed sold every year. Uh, even Teresa was asking me on reception about her potatoes, her early varieties. Yeah, are, she's well, doing I mean, really the, well. There is a, there is a, a great That's sense a great of novelty. satisfaction to go out and be able to pull up a few spuds exactly. and have them and they... There, there is nothing quite like the ones out of your own garden. Absolutely, yeah. and, we, and you don't want to lose them now. So that's the first tip, just to mention that. Okay. Um, the other thing that came to mind, this is the time of year when we're thinking of autumn and winter crops in particular. So uh, kale, the, the plants of kale, which is a great winter vegetable, curly kale, really hardy, um, tough as old boots. You plant it from plants or seed at this time of year. It comes in a whole range of different varieties from the curly-leafed, varieties uh, to plain leaf varieties to purple foliage varieties so there's lots and lots of different varieties of kale both in dwarf and tall varieties. The plants are ready for planting now and if you do plant them into the garden over the next couple of weeks 
um, then they'll grow during the summer period and produce fantastic kale through kind of October, November, December, January, February, March of next year. So it's a great winter vegetable that should be sown at this time of year. And it's very high in all the, uh, you know, it's one of these superfoods that has vitamin A, K, C, lots of micronutrients as well. Um, you know, and, and but it's a lovely winter vegetable and so easy to grow and so hardy. But this is the time of year to plant them. And generally, winter vegetables like Brussels sprouts, um, winter cabbage, winter lettuce, winter onions, they're sown from seed now as we come into June. The other thing that you can do at this time of year, and again, remember the temperatures are lovely and warm at the moment. So we're talking 70 to 20 degrees. So seed in general, you'll see lots of weed seed germinating everywhere at the moment. So use the good weather to sow plants from seed. So there's lots of autumn winter vegetables that can be sown at this time of year and indeed many spring flowering plants. So things like wallflowers, sweet william. Double daisies. When I was at Bloom last weekend, mm-hmm. up on one of the uh, up on the tower that overlooks Bloom, they had lovely window boxes done with double daisies, Bellis perennis. So they're, they're two they're, two heads on the one, is it? Well, they're like they're like a button, a double button of colour. Uh, bachelor's buttons, they're called, or double daisies, and they're just they were sown from seed this time last year grown over the winter period and then they come into flower in March, April, May and June. So when you're looking for again, and I suppose this is a question that comes up all the time, all the time. in May or in, or in March, you know, it's early early spring colour just and a few flowers and there is a perfect example yeah, of and what there's you loads. Do. But do it now. Do it, sow the seed at this time of year, I suppose the point of making, mm. because seed is so cheap to buy. You generally get hundreds of plants from a packet of wallflower seed and this is the time of year and you can sow them directly out of doors into the garden soil or in trays or whatever, leave them out of doors they'll germinate perfectly, happy over the next couple of weeks and then you transplant them into the final planting position normally around September. So we're using the summer months, the kind of warm weather to get plants to germinate from seed and they're so easy. Rather than trying to germinate plants in January, yeah. you have to have them is, indoors on a yeah. windowsill under a radiator or all that kind of stuff. Work, yeah. Yeah. So things like uh, Brompton stock can be sown from seed now. Wallflowers, um, so there's a whole range of different varieties of wallflowers that can be sown. Primulas or polyanthus, winter flowering pansies, spring flowering pansies, violas can all be sown. The double daisies that I mentioned, forget-me-nots, which are beautiful Mm. in March and April and May. So any of those sweet williams I mentioned already, any of those plants that are traditionally flower winter, springtime, this is the time of year to sow those. So look for those in your local garden centre. And all the uh, winter vegetables, it's also a great time for sowing herbs from seed so things like just common plants like rosemary and thyme and uh, all of those can can be <coughs> propagated from seed the other key thing we're coming into as we come into midsummer the taking of plants from cuttings, the propagating of plants. So if you have your favourite, I think you did a rose last year. From I memory. did, Maybe actually. Maybe that was in the autumn. No, it was. And uh, rose. my rose is growing. It's oh. great. I, I was out looking at it the other day. Um, Why do you sound surprised? Well, <laughs> do I? <laughs> um, I am a small bit always when things grow for me because I'm not nearly as talented as you are, as we know. But, but um, yeah, I'm very, I'm, I suppose just because it's really, and people might be familiar with this, it's a very old rose. Right? Yeah. It's over 100 years uh, old. So it's now been transplanted from my aunt's garden into... Uh, the from a slip, slip. Yeah, from a cutting. A slip from a cutting. Yeah. And, and it is, yes, it's growing very steadily and I'm, I have high hopes for it. So this is a great time of year for the propagation of plants. Like I'm seeing even common 
common plants like variegated poplars. They're lovely at this time of year with that lovely pink and white colour. This is a great time of year to take cuttings from those or hydrangeas or fuchsias or lavender, any of those kind of softer, easier plants. I, w- I was actually demonstrating this at Bloom. I was showing people how to take cuttings from their basket plants from training petunias and fuchsias and training verbenas. Um, and, and, you know, it's probably a time of year where we don't think that it's the time for propagating plants, mm. but they actually root very easily at this time of year. So if you see your favourite plant in somebody's garden or somewhere else or, you know, you want to propagate some of your own plants, this is a good time of year. Dip them in rooting powder into a small pot, cover them with a polythene bag, sit them on a windowsill indoors for a week or maybe a fortnight, three weeks, and they root very readily and very easily. So th- it's that time of year. And the last thing, and I suppose this was inspired by a bloom last weekend, roses in particular are beautiful this year. Yes, I was saying, yeah. They come in, they've come into flowers weeks earlier than normal. And uh, I was in the garden centre yesterday in, in Castle Bar and, and uh, somebody passed me going into the restaurant and that was their comment. They said, oh, the smell of roses here is absolutely fantastic. And there was a beautiful smell. The roses have just come into flower in the last two weeks. And there's a fantastic scent at the moment from roses. And of course, they're always voters. The favourite favorite plant. Yeah. Every year, the, the, the most favourite plant. But there are a couple of good varieties that caught my eye. Lovely one called Fascination, which, which is a Floribunda variety, which is highly scented. Um, plant it now, it's going to come into flower from now on, really, and flower root right through to the end of the summer. But it's a lovely pink variety, f- uh, Fascination. Even though it's a Floribunda, which literally means many flowers, it still produces quite a large bloom and lovely for cutting. Whiskey Mac. Oh, I like... And it is the colour of whiskey. Is it? It is absolutely the colour of whiskey. So it's, it's kind of a goldy yellow Golden color. orange, um, burnt orange colour. It's a hybrid tea rose, fantastic scent of whiskey mac. Lovely dark foliage and this really dark flower, great cut flower, great plant to plant this time of year. If you're looking for something shorter, Grandpa Dixon is a lovely short yellow variety. Um, it was grown by the Dixon family who are renowned uh, in the UK for, I mean, they go back to the 1800s, right. growing roses and they've five, six generations of, of rose growers and they're still breeding their own roses. So this is one that was named after one of their own uh, granddad's, Grandpa Dixon. It's a short yellow flowering variety, hybrid tea rose, so lovely for cutting as well, but only grows maybe two feet in height. So it's more a bedding rose than a, a tall rose. But it's a hybrid tea, and the hybrid teas are generally, for people that like cu- cutting roses and bring them indoors, they tend to produce not as many flowers, but they're bigger and, and better they're quality than right. the floribunda. So they're a bit blousier. Huge, big, yeah, upright <laughs> flower, um, very nice for cutting. So that's Grandpa Dixon, a really nice variety. Freedom is another l- very nice one, very dark yellow. Again, it's hybrid tea and scented. And uh, Ingrid Bergman oh, is, is is a beautiful rose. It's a, it's actually got a, a kind of a spicy smell to the flower and um, probably well named. Probably, <laughs> and, so, probably uh, so. It's a hybrid tea rose. Again, it's a, it's a, a, a dark red variety, a really nice one, Ingram, Ingram Bergman. So there are five or six really good Fascination, Whiskey Mac, Grandpa Dixon, Freedom uh, and Ingrid Bergman, which are available for planting out um, and, and very, very strong scent from most of those varieties. But really a good time for planting roses. And for listeners that have roses in the garden, again, remember to feed them once a month. That's important uh, because they're producing a lot of energy at the moment, a lot of flowers. So once a month, put on the rose feed and do put on the the treatments as well, the either rose clear or rose rescue, just to keep them clean, tidy and bug free because okay. a lot of bugs around at the moment. Now, uh, we're going to start with a variegated holly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we've got a variegated holly tree, plenty of green berries, porek, but shedding a lot of yellow leaves. What is the problem? 
It sounds like it's underwatered. Simple as okay. that. Um, now, I, I, I was actually out for a walk there recently and uh, I was admiring hollies in particular. They're absolutely loaded with berries. As is the white thorn and black thorn. Um, any of the spring flowering plants, uh, generally hollies will flower in March and April. And uh, we're seeing obviously the... the we're seeing the, the fruits of that now, mm. lots of berries on it. But when you see holly dropping its leaves, and we've had, remember, a very extended dry period, they, if they get any water stress at all, even if you cut holly at Christmas time and bring it indoors, it only lasts a very short time and the leaves start to fall. The leaves are the first thing to drop off. You're generally left with the red berries on the stems. Yeah. So holly is one of those plants that if it comes under water stress, you get this defoliation or dropping of the leaves. So, you know... Even the rain we've had has, again, only touched the surface of the soil. So, again, what I would do, and particularly the fact that the holly is bearing so much fruit at the moment, the fruit is taking priority in terms of the moisture. So the moisture will always go to the berries first at the expense of the leaves. So my advice really is to put the hose, even literally leave the hose on the holly plant uh, for maybe half an hour and give it a good heavy soaking and repeat that in a couple of weeks, you know, maybe in a week or 10 days time as well. And it'll come back fine. Okay. And throw on new growth, new leaves. But it's going to be a great year for all burying right. plants. You know, you can see the apples and gooseberries. Um, you know, I was looking at a gooseberry bush that was stuck in a in a in a ditch. Right. It, yesterday, I, I, the I day forgotten, before. I've forgotten, I've forgotten gooseberry, gooseberry and it was absolutely covered in fruit. Uh, didn't covered need, in fruit. No attention need required. Anything. Exactly. <laughs> so it's a great year for okay. berries. Now, my children sowed white thorn seeds in October. They took off the flesh and sowed the seeds in a ridge. Great. But not one of them has appeared. Okay, and that's fine. We, what went we, wrong? Well, nothing. Nothing went wrong. Patience is required. Is okay. all that's okay. thing with with whitethorn. Um, oh, it's two years, is it? It can be up to two years, and it can be up to three years. It needs actually a very cold winter, frosty, hard weather to break the dormancy in the seed. So lots of of plants. Um, you know, you'd often hear about plants that are that that you know, are in the ground for many, many years and, and maybe 20 years on, they get exposed to light. They might, the ground might be tilled or whatever and the seed starts to germinate. But for particularly white thorn, it's one of those fruits or seeds that has dormancy built into the seed. So it needs a very chilling, a cold winter to break that dormancy or it needs more time to, to actually break it, break down the dormancy of the seed. So that will occur. So look at, just leave them where they are. Try to keep it weed free, the area that the seed is sown in. And you'll find if we get into this winter now and coming into spring of next year, you might get 30 or 40% of the seeds to germinate next spring. Mm -hmm. And then the following winter or the following spring, you'll get the remaining. So it, it can often take two to three, maybe four years for 100% of the seed to germinate. So look at patience is required with it. It's one of those... Um, Unlike the seed that I mentioned at the top of the programme, you know, the wallflowers and all that, they'll germinate in two or three weeks. <clears throat> but whitethorn is one of those plants that actually needs a chilling, cold, frosty winter um, to break the dormancy of the seed. So nothing went wrong. The kids did everything right. And it's just a matter of keeping the bed weed-free now and they'll okay. germinate next spring. Okay, lovely. Now, uh, good morning. Well done, Bloom. Lots of, a number of uh, texts in, in that vein, Porrick. So Great. obviously uh, things went very well and people really enjoyed all of your talks. Um, now, yourself and the team were great. This one says, I have a few questions. I bought some lily bulbs at Bloom. So is it okay to plant now? Is it better to plant in a pot or in the garden? Is it better to plant in, the, in a sunny location? And what is the best soil? Okay, so these are the bulbs, the... Yeah. Uh, during bloom, um, some of the nurseries have have uh, summer flowering blooms, bulbs, I should say, for sale. And lilies will be one of those or dahlias, whatever. They've been refrigerated. They've been actually kept dormant 
um, until bloom, as it were. Normally you'd plant the lilies in February and March and early April. Those bulbs are 100% perfect. Mm-hmm. Plant them up now in pots or containers or directly out into the garden soil. Lilies require a free draining soil and a sunny location. So you can plant them directly into the soil, but if you do that, make sure you put them on, dig the hole, put in about a shovelful of sharp sand or grit or gravel and sit the bulbs on top of that sand. So the bulb itself is very fleshy mm-hmm. and if it gets too wet, if it's sitting in water, particularly in the wintertime, it'll rot away. So you've got an option of either putting them into pots plant them up into pots in a good quality compost, uh, bury them about three or four inches underneath the soil, uh, maybe five bulbs together in a large pot and sink the pot and all into the ground. That gives you the option then in October to to lift lift up the container and maybe put into a tunnel or put it somewhere sheltered out of doors for the winter, particularly if your soil is prone to heavy wetness during the winter period. Alternatively, dig a large hole, put some sand, gravel, grit into the area, sit the bulbs on top of that, cover them over with soil with a bit of the sand mixed through and leave them there. Generally, they're fine out of doors. They're perfectly winter hardy from frost, but it's excessive wetness sometimes in the west of Ireland that rots them over the winter. But certainly the listener should get them into the, either pot them up now or put them into the ground straight away. And they'll come into flower probably in August, late July, August of this year. So they'll be a little bit later than traditional lilies. um, But um, they're perfectly fine. I actually was looking at quite a lot of them. There was a great range of bulbs there. And a sunny location or does it matter? Sorry, a sunny, a bright sunny location for lilies. That's important. So free draining soil and as much sun as possible. Perfect. Now, staying with Bloom and uh, this listener bought a small tree fern. Okay. So how do they care for it? Um, It's planted in a shady area at the moment. Okay, and that's perfect. That's exactly where the listener should plant it. So these are These are tree ferns which grow like a small tree effectively. They produce a trunk, um, a kind of a hairy, thick trunk uh, trunk over time and the foliage comes right off the very top of the tree. So they're kind of tropical looking, like a tropical plant. Um, So you plant in a shaded area, really reasonably good soils, add in some organic matter or some compost when you're planting it. Apart from that, there's nothing to do. Keep it well washed if we do get a dry period during the summer because ferns like plenty of moisture. And then in the winter, they drop their foliage. The, the foliage around October, November dies away and you just trim off that dead foliage right at the top of the stem and that re-emerges next spring and off we go again. So they're, they're very easy to grow. Great. There's uh, some lovely, just while, while sorry, I think yeah. of them, there's some lovely examples of the tree ferns in the National Museum here in Turlock in Castlebar. So if people, particularly in the woodland area, if you're walking through the little woodland area, taking the shortcut over to the uh, main building, there's an area there with maybe 10 or 15 uh, tree ferns and they're absolutely beautiful. Okay, one on the email, Porik. Um, I have tomato plants thriving very healthily, flower buds for three weeks, but no sign of them to open. Am I being impatient? Well, remember that they, well, I would expect them to be in flower uh, or some of the flowers to have opened. Now, the flowers and tomatoes are quite small. Mm-hmm. They, you know, the difference between the bud and the flower is, you know, nearly insignificant, really. It's a quite a small flower when it opens. Um, so I would have expected them to open at this stage. The uh, Maybe if the listener takes a picture of that and emails it into me and emails it in here to the program yeah. and just let me have a look at it just to make sure. But um, this is the time if you from now on tomatoes are going to come into flower and, and the weather's been great really and particularly if the listener has it in a tunnel I'd expect it to be in full bloom after three weeks. So maybe send in a picture and let's we'll have a look at look it. Look. And they don't flower all at once. You don't tend to get a whole... Tomatoes as they grow produce their flower 
stem. So, you know, particularly <coughs> low, low down on the plant, you, they mightn't be as noticeable because the flower is facing away from you. Right. It tends to hang down. But as the plant continues to grow, obviously up the stem, you'll get more flowers coming all the way along. So maybe send a picture. Take a picture of the flower buds and just send, email it into us. Hi, Porik. I patioed my back garden last year. I now see grass coming up through between the blocks. What can I do to stop this happening? Well, you can use one of the weed, uh, patio weed controls. Hytrol do a very good one. Um, so any of the kind of pat clear or um, par- those kind of uh, specific treatments for tarmacatum or patio areas. Most of them have a contact spray which will kill off the grass and have a residual effect as well to stop weeds from growing for maybe six or eight weeks. Now, I, here's a curious one. I have a nest of bees in my stack of turf. What can I do? I'm just after putting in the turf. I can't see the nest. <laughs> well, are you sure there's it? Well, okay, it's obviously it's a lot of unusual bees. for for bees to, just to go to go to you might, to, to take may, to take over it like in a short notice like that. Or? Yeah, or you might have some uh, bumblebees. Bumblebees. Some of the bumblebees are um, <coughs> uh, solitary. Solitary. They live on their own, or they live in very small clusters. You know, maybe you know half they're, a dozen. They're, they're not hive people. No, they're not. No, they don't produce a hive as such. Um, or they produce a very small area. You know, and and there's mm. only a cluster of bees. So there may have been some. Uh, bumblebees on the turf that you saved you know when it was out on the, on the in the, the, in the, the thing, yeah, when you brought it home you may have some there um, very unlikely to be honeybees you know they will they will form you know they they need more time and, and generally develop, develop a larger nest the other thing and wasps again it could be wasps would they move can, in overnight uh, no, not really, but but a, a small wasp nest. Basically, what happens with wasps is the female makes a very small nest when when it when she starts in springtime, yeah. and that could be attached to a piece of turf okay, or whatever. So, um, so I suppose you need to so narrow, it, narrow it down, <laughs> narrow it down to what it is. If it's the likes of bumblebees, I mean, they do you know there are no harm whatsoever, and, they, and they're alone, just a cluster. They're just a very tiny number of of bees. Um, obviously, if it's wasps, it's a different story. And uh, I, I, I sincerely doubt it's it's um, honeybees. I would imagine it's either bumblebees or, or wasps. Again, maybe if the listener took a picture of them, send it to me. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, a that's a difficult one. I yeah. know. I'm not a big fan of wasps myself, so I, I appreciate the the challenge. Mm. Um, and we don't want to not be using the turf either. Anyway, yeah, maybe send in a photograph, and I we'll so. see. Can we identify well what what's going on? Apple trees uh, full of young apples. I know we've kind of covered this. We'll briefly mention it again. Um, what do I need to do to keep them healthy? Can I feed them now? Do they need a spray? Well, feeding them is, is good, a good idea. Watering them well is, is another good idea where the fruit is forming. And yes, as I mentioned last week, if you are treating your roses with a bit of rose clear or rose rescue, you could put that on the apple trees as well just to keep the, the scab and the aphids away. Okay, Porik, I have a foxglove tree about yeah. 15 or 20 foot tall. Okay. Flowers at the top. Uh, can I be pruned to flower lower? Luke is in Wexford. Good right, morning. All the way. Well, the all answer the is you can. So the foxglove tree is... Uh, different to the foxglove that I have in my a garden. Completely different plant. It comes to us from the States, if, if memory serves me right. Um, it's called the princess tree as well. And it, it, it's named the foxglove tree because it produces foxglove-like flowers. They're a lilac-scented flower, very similar to a foxglove. They're kind of... Um, Bell shape, very similar to the to the common foxglove, <coughs> although mm-hmm. they're not related. Um, Paula Winnii tomentosa is the botanical name of the tree. So it's a very nice tree. It's grown for its flowers. It's grown for its leaves as well. But it is a tree that responds well to pruning. 
So if the listener wants to prune it back, now is a good time to prune them back because they've finished flowering. What you tend to find with the foxglove tree is that it won't flower the following spring. So if you prune it now, you'll get lots of new growth, but it'll skip a year of flowering. So, you know, the listener can take, it's what, 10, 15 feet. They could certainly cut four or five feet off the plant. It'll make it shorter, squatter. The other remarkable thing about it is that if, you, if it does get some pruning, the leaves tend to get bigger. It produce, puts more energy into the actual right. foliage. And, um, but it will come back to flowering again. So it's probably tall and lanky and they want to make it bu- shorter and bushier. So feel free to prune it back. I would cut it back at this time of year. Give it a feed. It'll produce new, new shoots but it won't flower next spring or certainly the amount of flowers will be reduced, but it will come back into flower again the following spring. There's a lot of flowers on them, aren't there? Oh, a huge amount of flowers, yeah. Oh, it's a lovely tree. Um, lovely tree, um, easy to grow. It does need a free draining soil. The likes of Wexford would be a a good area for it. Yeah, absolutely. A warmer climate. Um, But uh, nice, yeah, something different. Look lovely. Cone flowers, I think, was the next one. Yeah. So, wondering about cone flower, I think, in relation to planting it, and um, is it good for bees? It's excellent for bees. The cone flower is a plant called Echinacea. Okay. Echinacea that we use. As that we take for colds and things. Yeah. Yeah, same, exact same plant. Beautiful plant. Um, Echinaceas are easy to grow. They're perennial, first of all, so they come back year after year. They come in a whole range of different varieties from kind of short varieties that only grow maybe eight inches, two feet, up to really tall varieties. Um, I think Echinacea purpurea is the one that's used in medicine as used for, you know, the various treatments. Um, so a really super plant to grow. It is perennial. It comes back year to year. Remember, pick a variety to suit the location you're going to plant it in. So the dwarf variety is obviously for smaller beds. Great time to plant them. The, the flowers are really just beginning to, to flower now. And um, it's, it's a great plant for bees. The flowers actually, they're unusual in that they, um, they kind of, the petals droop down Mm-hmm. On the so you've got this large center area that the bees just love and butterflies. It's a great plant for butterflies as well that come and drink the nectar out of the. Center but they kind of, the of have a good landing area. Yeah, they do. It's quite a large pad in the center of the flower, and then they they're a bit like a sunflower, but the petals droop down, so they're very distinctive. Lovely cut flower as well. So even if you want to just grow them as a cut flower, um, they're they're quite nice. So that's Echinacea, the cone flower, um, great for butterflies and bees, a super cut flowering plant. And they come in a whole range of different colours, but now is a good time to put them in. They're actually a good time to, to purchase them because you can actually see them in flower. Flowers will just be beginning to, to show. So Echinacea or cone flower, um, yeah, yeah, good time to plant them. Okay, is it, is it possible to grow sweet corn out of doors in Ireland? I grew it successfully last summer in my polytunnel. I'd yeah. highly recommend it. It is. Now, you, only, you, you get a small crop from... Uh, so it's one of these plants that, again, either put an awful lot of plants in or uh, you grow it as a novelty. So um, they are wind-pollinated. Yeah. So it's important to plant them in a block. So when you're planting them, put maybe you know, at least six or eight plants in a square position. The male flowers appear right at the top of the of the plants and they droop back down onto the female flowers, which are at the bottom. You generally get one to two cobs out of doors. Um, you get so, more inside though, would you? No, you'd still, well, you might get three indoors, but they don't produce a huge amount right, of Right, so you need cobs. to plant a good few. You do. You'd want six or, that's why I'm saying you either put plenty of plants in or just 
grow them as a novelty item. But they're perfectly fine out of doors. Generally, the plants would be about maybe two feet high at this time of year if you're planting them. It's too late to sow them from seed. You need to get yourself some plants. Plant them in a block situation in a reasonably sheltered spot because they are grown to grow to grow about six, maybe seven feet tall. And they do require a bamboo cane just to keep them nice and straight. But a lovely thing to grow for the kids. And you can't beat... Um, fresh sweet corn no. from the yeah the, it is it is it grows like maize you know produces yeah. that lovely cob low down little bit of butter yeah so a good time to plant them plant them out of doors liquid feed them with a tomato feed or Osmo Universal and they're pretty easy to grow now I have a Mahonia okay. uh, it's a metre high yeah. when smaller it was very bushy and had lots of flower heads gone very bare now only leaves top six inches on the top six inches okay. if I cut it back will it re-sprout on the remaining stem I'd like it to be bushier yes it will Okay. Mahonia. Mahonia, there's a whole range of different varieties. Um, they flower predominantly through the winter period. So there's a lovely variety called Mahonia Charity that comes into flower normally in November and it flowers right through till March. Evergreen is holly like leaves, really easy plant to grow. Um, the soil might be a bit a bit impoverished there, the fact that it's dropped its lower leaves. You know, it's 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 a relatively easy plant to grow. Now it needs a bright sunny location, reasonably good soil I'd also feed it so maybe take two or three inches off the top of the plant prune it back because it's only a metre high so you know take it take it back to maybe two or three inches from the very top and that encourage to side branch particularly if you feed it but check the soil as well if, if you feel the soil is a little bit um, hungry it would be advisable to maybe I would nearly lift it in the autumn and replant it putting in plenty of compost plenty of organic matter and kind of redo the planting bit again now, I have a large hosta plant that I have to move now. Can you give me any tips on how I can save it? It has to be moved out of the space it's in and I don't want to, to lose go. it. It has to support. It has to go. Well, the thing, the great thing about hosta and hostas are those plants that produce the really broad leaves, variegated leaves or coloured leaves with nice lilac flowers. Um, and they're in full growth at the moment. Yeah, they're looking but lovely. They're brilliant, but they're one of the plants that actually are very resilient and you can literally move them at any time of year. So even though it's midsummer and they're actively growing, you could literally dig that plant up today. What I would do is actually cut the foliage back. So take out a shears, a garden shears, cut the foliage back to six inches from soil level. So cut it right back. I know that that sounds disastrous, having taken all the leaf off it, but you're saving the plant, losing moisture. So cut it really tightly back, dig it up. It's got a very fibrous root, so you'll have lots of small roots on the plant. And get yourself a sharp axe or shovel or spade and split the plant up into 10 or 12 pieces. If it's a mature plant, you'll probably get up to 15 to 20 new plants from it. So not only can you move it now, you can actually split them. And if people have host in the garden and they particularly like the variety, mm-hmm. if they like to propagate it, this is a good time. Now you lose the you lose the colour and the growth for this year, this year in that you're cutting it back, the foliage. But very quickly, within a month, it'll actually have produced new leaves and it'll look respectable again after. Oh, okay, yeah. so it, 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 it it's one be... of these plants that actually you can, you can I often uh, split them right in the middle of the summer this time of year, just dig them up cut them back, transplant, or split them up with a sharp axe, you know, kind of into plants maybe the size of your hand, mm. split that, that sort of size, a little bit of foliage and stem and some, some of the root and just transplant or repot into new pots and grow it on again. Now, a couple of plum tree questions. Okay. Um, so firstly, I have a plum tree that has gone to nearly 12 foot high. Great. When can I cut it back and in what way 
should I cut it? And also, somebody's got a plum tree and it has tiny holes in the leaves. Um, okay. There is fruit on that one, um, but wondering what the problem might be. Okay, well, there's lots of pests that will attack plum trees, the leaves of plum trees. Capsip bug is probably the one that, that's mentioned, that, uh, particularly with those small holes on the leaves. To be honest, if it's... Um, I mean, on one side, we've got one listener that the, the plant is growing too vigorously. Mm. And on the other one, there's a small bit of pest damage. And the little bit of pest damage is not going to do anything disastrous to the tree. It's not that you have to spray because you've, you've, you've found some holes in the leaves. Unless it's been absolutely munched and there's a you know detrimental effect to the tree in terms of it losing all its leaves or whatever. Small bit of foliage damage is absolutely no problem. I wouldn't bother my head spraying for it, particularly if the tree is healthy and there's lots of fruit on it. You know, if anything, the pests are doing you a bit of a favour in that they're Putting the, they're, 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 putting, they're, they're holding put, the plant back a bit. Putting on the brakes. They are. So um, unless there's lots of damage, then don't bother spraying would be my advice. Um, if you do need to spray, get something like bug clear and that'll get rid of the caps of bug. But there's no need in my view. With the other tree in terms of pruning, this is a great time for pruning plum trees in general. You prune plums when they're in leaf. So normally after flowering, so obviously you're not going to prune the branches that have got any fruit on them, but any of that kind of wispy growth right at the top of the plant, that can be shortened back by half or two thirds. So it's a really good time of year as we go into June to um, to prune back fruiting cherries, plum trees. If you had peaches or nectarines, some people have them in tunnels and greenhouses, good time to prune them back as well. So anything that produces stone in the fruit, this is the time you prune them back. Great. Now, is it too late to sow veg in a tunnel? I only got a foot up last week. Oh, and what, fantastic. What type of veg asks Niall? Good man, Niall. Well, well done. I mean, no, look, this is, it's a, a perfect time for planting them. You've got another four or five months, particularly with the tunnel. You can put tomato plants in. No problem whatsoever. Um, get yourself some of the, you know, nice bushy tomato plants. Get them in now and you'll have lovely fruit in August and September. Peppers, chilies can all be planted now. Aubergines, if you can get them. Cucumbers. Um, you can also grow all the salad crops. So things like the lettuce and, you know, they're all available from plants at the moment. So my advice to, to Neil is to drop into the local garden centre. Sow some seed as well. And even when you have the tunnel, some of the plants I mentioned, hmm. the, the wallflowers and sweet williams, you could sow those in the tunnel as well if you wished, if you want to bring them on a bit early. It's a great place to take some cuttings, put them in the tunnel as well. So use it for lots of things. Strawberries can be put into the tunnel, plant them up into window box containers, pack out the tunnel. Okay. So there's plenty of time, both from seed and from plants, if you want, you know, if you can do a little bit of, more, of both. I generally recommend um, plants that are pretty fast to mature. So things that... So, you know, the tunnel is great for the for things like the tomatoes and chilies and peppers that absolutely need to be covered. You know, yeah. generally we and don't the get this. And they need the bit of the heat. The bit of protection, they need a bit of heat, yeah, to really do well. But, you know, stay away from kind of, you know, the kale I mentioned or Brussels sprouts. They should be out of doors. But go for all the salad crops. Sweet potatoes. Sweet potato plants are available at the moment now for planting. So get yourself a couple of sweet potato plants, good big pot, fill it with compost, bang in the potato plant, leave it in the tunnel, liquid feed it and, and look after it and you'll have sweet potatoes by October. Okay. Well, so there's lots and lots of plants that can still be planted and lots that can still be sown from seed. The best of luck with that. Yeah, and, and, it's great. and enjoy. Um, can a beech hedge be trimmed up now? Yes, it can. No problem at all. Go out and with your trimmers and trim it back. No problem whatsoever. Great. Is it easy to grow white hydrangeas? Do they need a special soil and will they stay white? Any recommendations, please? Well, how was your hydrangea? Remember, we, 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 I gave you yeah. one last year, yeah. didn't I? Yeah, so I have a selection of hydrangeas. Have you? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Now in the garden, white ones, um, because I think they're just stunning flowers. Um, and I'm really happy. Yeah, so they were babies last year and now they're teenagers, I guess. <laughs> 
<laughs> they're beginning to blow. To they are. Uh, so they they they're not obviously in flower yet, no, but I'm they have very healthy looking heads on great. them. So I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing. And I'm sure maybe we'll take a photograph when they come. Yeah, in. absolutely. And yeah. Put it so up I have some white eye ranges and white box gloves. Oh, uh, lovely. Yeah. So they're mix and match. And white theme. Yeah, white and green theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so I should be at bloom. Uh, well, yeah, next year. <laughs> next year. Uh, but yeah, no. So the fox gloves are in flower now, or they're just coming in, and I can see. I'd say I don't know, probably another three weeks. Would that be about right? I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In the next, yeah, in the next couple of two, weeks, two, they'll start weeks, to come yeah. into flower. So, and I gave them a feed porridge um, back a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. So that um, brings them on. They're yeah. hungry. They yeah. are hungry. Yeah. Hydrangeas. So they, yeah, but uh, special soil. No, and that's not in my garden. No, and hydrangeas. We often get that yeah. question about hydrangeas. So you know, generally in places where you've got very acidic soil, like Mulrani and Ackle and mm-hmm. along the west coast, you'd often find the hydrangeas tend to be that very, very deep red bordering on blue or purple in colour. So the more acidic your soil is, the more acid your soil is, but high, the thing the white about, hydrangeas are they stay white yeah. irrespective of your soil somebody so you can, argued the toss with me on this no now, no, so. no 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 the yeah, white, white hydrangea always yeah. stays true to its colour the pinks can change you know you can put a pink hydrangea down a Mulrani it'll change to blue it does like the, the pH of the soil, soil is going changes to be affected, so yeah. but the white remain you know keep their colour now some of them what you'll find is with the some of the white varieties will as the flower mature mm-hmm. you might get a bit of pink coming into the flower with some varieties, you'd often find that. There's a variety called Pinky Winky that starts white and changes to pink. And even as the flower matures, it goes to red. Okay. So it changes colour. I don't think I have a Pinky Winky. No, the one, the, Annabelle, the one that you have is yeah. one called Annabelle, which is a beautiful variety. Yeah. It produces flowers nearly the size of a dinner plate. I mean, yeah. they're absolutely they're big, enormous, yeah. big, blousy flowers, beautiful white. <clears> and it's actually quite an easy variety to grow because all, people often ask me about the pruning of hydrangeas. When do you prune them? These are the ordinary mop head. The white paniculata varieties, which um, Annabelle is one, inky Pinky is is another one, our pinky winky. Pinky or winky. <laughs> um, those paniculatas, they're s- super easy to grow okay. and very easy to prune yeah. back. And you know they're a joy in the garden, really, yeah. because they flower for such a long period. I'm looking forward to them anyway. So, so what was the, que- the question? The again? question is, uh, are they? Do they need special soil? No, and the no. answer is no. Will they stay white? Yes, yes. they will. Yeah. recommendations go for it. Oh yeah, they're definitely yeah, they're lovely. Well, well yeah. worth planting. Yeah. yeah, and a great time to plant hydrangeas this time of year. <clears throat> what rose for scent? is best. Oh my goodness, that's a very subjective question. Well, we, we mentioned, I mentioned a few there yeah. that, that are all scented. So I mentioned Whiskey Fascination, Mac. yeah. Yeah, f- uh, Fascination is lovely. That That's highly scented and, and really nice. Um, I mentioned Whiskey Mac, which is really n- nice. Arthur Bell is another very good scented road, rose. Fragrant Cloud, as the name suggests. It's a red, fragrant. So look, pop into your local garden centre. Most of the roses are flowering at the moment. So why not go in and smell them? Smell the roses and pick the variety that see, you... Well, see what you know, tickles your fancy, Igman, absolutely. Ingrid Bergman. Ingrid Bergman. Ingrid Bergman. even. Is spicy. There's a lovely spicy flavour. She was very scent. dark-haired, baby. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so it depends. But look, at my advice is pop into your local garden centre, scent the roses or smell the roses now and, and pick the variety that suits you and you'll see them just coming into flower as well. Uh, okay, one or two more. What liquid feed should I be using on my onions? Well, onions need regular feeding and that's important, um, particularly the, the bulb-forming varieties like Sturon or Stuttgart or Giant, they all need regular feeding. So I would use the Osmo Universal Liquid Feed or a tomato feed, either of the two, every fortnight, that'll build them up. 
Just to let you know, I sewed the Sutton's tape carrots and they've worked out perfectly. Oh, great. Yeah. No spacing needed. I'm looking forward to the taste. Well, yeah, they were there. We feature those mm-hmm. actually. And, and Niall could use those in his tunnel as well. They're the, they're the, literally the uh, Sutton seeds. So you roll out the tape, cover them with soil, and away they go. Any tips on growing silver beet? I love the colour of the stems. Will it grow in pots? It will. So silver beet is Swiss chard. Um, it's in related to, to beetroot and, and um, sugar beet actually as well. So it's very easy to grow, perfect in pots. You can get a variety called rainbow that's got lovely um, red stems and orange stems and uh, pinky stems pink stems and it's Swiss chard is not only a great vegetable but it's also lovely to use in flower borders of beds because there's fantastic colour from it and eat the eat the stems and foliage when they're young pick yes. them as young as possible What would be eating my dahlias? It looks like more than snails I've pellets down but it doesn't seem to be doing much good No, that's that's um, flea beetle that's attacking the um, uh, dahlias it, it attacks the young growth the, the stems of the plant so as they're growing and again you get kind of a distorted stem and you get holes in the leaves as well from flea beetles so it's a small shiny beetle that attacks basically the young growth of dahlias and it does distort them now the, here I would advise spraying for them because it'll actually stop the buds from forming so again get something like bug clear mix it in water put it onto the plants in the evening time in particular uh, flea beetle is a, a beetle that as soon as you come near the plant, it actually drops to the ground. So very seldom you see them. But if you do see them, there's small, shiny beetles that kind of sun reflects from them. Um, so they're very damaging and, and very distorting of the um, dahlias. Of dahlias in particular. And I would advise spraying for them. They also affect the plants like fuchsias. Um, okay. So distorted stems, <clears throat> holes in the leaves are typical. Now there is a lot of slug and snail activity at the moment I have to say right. as well so keep an eye for that. Okay. And finally a Japanese acer tree bought last year. This year there are buds but there's no leaves says Bernie. Well there's something wrong with that plant because Japanese maples are in full glory at the moment. They're absolutely covered in, in young leaves and lovely colour this year. Um, Japanese na- ma- na- maples require uh, sheltered site so if it's anyway windy they dislike that but the fact that it had the leaves haven't broken the buds haven't opened that plant sounds to me like it has failed okay oh, so right. I would probably pop back to wherever you got it and just explain the story and look for a replacement okay. okay unless it's in a very open windy spot it does re- they do require yeah, shelter. shelter apart from that they're dead easy to grow Japanese okay. maples lovely plant we're going to have to leave it there uh, light warning so light warning so watch for that. Yeah. that that's my advice really great weather for sowing the seed of plants take some cuttings plant some roses enjoy the garden ok well thank you very much and we're back again next Saturday just after 9 uh, have yourselves a really good weekend uh, do stand by Michael Neary is coming your way with Country Classics after the news at 10 which is on the way next until next Saturday from me after 7 good morning to you